Well, I think most of you know that I'm not a particularly sporty person. I don't know if you can tell that by looking at me. Um, but it, it might surprise you to know I recently joined a netball team. Yeah. It's a mixed netball team. We have had two practices and we've got our first league game next week. Yeah, I don't really know how that came about. My friend was just like, I'm setting up this team. Do you want to be part of it? I was like, well, I've never played before. <laughs> He's like, neither have I. I was like, okay, fine. Sign, sign me right up. So we went and had a go and we went down to UCLan to their their sports arena. Turns out it's an outdoor sport. It's winter in England and it's an outdoor sport. I'm like, right, okay. So that was the first shock. And then we got to, like, we, we, we mixed around positions and stuff, but it turns out some positions uh, can only move in certain areas of the court. I don't know if anyone's ever played netball before. Very confusing. So even when I, I was playing a position, I could only move in one third of the court and I was still knackered by the end of it. Absolutely <laughs> exhausted. So we'll see what happens when I get to play two-thirds of the court or whatever. But absolutely great fun, great to be involved. But, you know, it's, we, we were talking about what shall we call our team because it's an, it's an actual league playing against actual other teams who are probably quite serious about it. And, you know, all of the guys that are on the team have never played before. And the, girl, the girls who are playing on the team, they've played when they were, like, in high school. It's now 15 years down the line and they're just kind of picking it up again. Like, what can we call ourselves? The no-hoopers we've gone with. No hoopers. I think that pretty much sums up. So if the team we're playing against don't know what kind of what standard we're at, hopefully that will, you know, set their expectations at the right level. But it's good fun. So I'll keep you updated on how that goes. We've got, like I say, pray for us next Thursday. We've got our next first game. We'll see how it goes. Can I read some scriptures to you this morning? Are you ready to hear from God? Say, I'm ready. Come on. Okay, I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 5, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We're going to skip to Galatians chapter 6. It says this, Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good things to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do you spot a thread there? It's talking about belonging. It's talking about being part of something. I'm going to read to you from a couple of Psalms as well. Psalm 68 says, uh, father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And then in Psalm 92, it says this, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. You know, all of these passages are talking about belonging. They're talking about being plugged in and connected to the family of God and belonging to the house of God. Why don't we just pray for some, uh, uh, some inspiration from God and then we'll look at what he's saying. 
Jesus, we just thank you that you're here with us this morning. We thank you that you're moving and you're already working in our presence. And we just pray that as we, as we try to understand more of what these scriptures are saying, that you'll speak to each and every one of us and challenge us and inspire us and move us closer to where you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you taking notes this morning, I have entitled this message, Planted. Everybody say, Planted. So this, this, these, these passages are talking about being connected, about being part of something, about being in relationship, in family, and it's just, I think it's a vitally important message that God wants to speak to us this morning. That first passage in Romans, it describes us as the body of Christ, as a collection of Christians, it describes us as the body of Christ. And then in Galatians, it goes on to talk about this sense of belonging, of belonging to the family of God. And I think this idea of togetherness, of unity, of working together, of being in partnership with one another is a message that God really wants to bring forward. And then in Psalm 68, it talks about God placing the lonely in families. I thought that was really interesting. It talks about God placing the lonely in families. And I think in today's society, that's something that we really need to, to hear and take encouragement from because we live in an incredibly lonely world, don't we? We live in an incredibly lonely world. In fact, the reality is that we've never been more connected than ever before. In this digital age that we live in, we've never been more physically connected, well, not physically, digitally connected, because we can be on Facebook and have 400 friends, or we can post something on Instagram and get a million likes. We just seem to have this connectivity, and yet at the same time, we've never been more disconnected. We've never been more unsupported. We've never been more isolated and alone. Let me just read some facts to you that I, I read this week. In the UK, half a million older people go five to six days without seeing a single person. I mean, that broke my heart when I read that. Over half of those aged 75 live alone. Two-fifths of older people say that television is their main source of company. And it's not just older people. A study done last year showed that almost 10% of 16 to 24-year-olds were always or often alone. And that was three times higher than any other age group. Loneliness has tangible risks to our health. Loneliness can cause an increased risk of depression, anxiety, high blood pressure, and heart disease. In fact, loneliness can be more harmful for, for, for us than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's that real, the effect of being lonely, the effect of being alone, the effect of not being connected to something or plugged in, which is why these scriptures should bring us such encouragement and challenge us to get connected, to get planted into God's house. It's so important. And in Psalm 92, it emphasizes that further. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord, and there they will flourish. When you're planted in the house of God, when you're planted in the house of God, when you're connected to the local church, it's there that you'll flourish. And we're not talking about like an Ainsley Harriet. Anyone remember Ready, Steady, Cook? Bit of flourish as he would do his things. Not that kind of flourish. It's talking about something serious. It means to grow and to develop in a healthy or even vigorous manner because of the environment that you find yourself in. 
So it's so important for us in this day and age, no matter how connected we might feel because of social media or the number of friends that we've managed to, to check on our list, but actually we need to get plugged into something serious where we can, we can grow and we can draw closer to others so we can get plugged in, get connected and become more alive. Do you know, I think it's encouraging to, to look to Jesus to check our theology on stuff. When we're talking about anything in church, we should just, just double check what did Jesus do in this situation. And, and Jesus came to earth, didn't he, with one job to do. He came down to earth with one very big job to do. And, and I think it's undoubted that if he came to earth or when he came to earth, he could have done everything that he needed to do on his own. He didn't need the help of other people. He didn't need people to have his back. He didn't need to have a support group around him. He didn't need people to be praying for him. He didn't need the disciples to do any of his work for him. He could have, if he wanted to, come down to earth, gone on through his life, performed his ministry, and gone to the cross, died and rose again, conquering death on his own, if he wanted to. But he didn't. He chose to get connected. He chose to gather people around him. In fact, that's the first thing that he did when he began his ministry was he drew a collection of people, a family, his disciples around him. Not because he needed them, but because he was setting an example for us of how we should do life of how we should do ministry, not alone, not disconnected, not trying to do things just me and God, but part of a family, part of something that is bigger than ourselves. You see, he chose connection over solitude. He chose to create a family. He chose to place himself in the context of relationship. And it wasn't because he needed to, it was because he was setting an example for us. Do you know, in my life, there have been a number of moments, in fact, three in particular, where I've made a decision for my life that has improved my circumstance. And the first of those was when I invited Jesus into my life. I did that as a teenager. I was, I'm very grateful to have been brought up in a Christian home. I was kind of taught the ways of God from a very early age, and it was demonstrated to me by my parents and my church family. So when I made that decision, that was the first great decision that I made for my life. And the second great decision was when I chose to ask Ruth to marry me. I made that decision all on my own. And then, I, in fact, the reality is that I knew that I was in love with Ruth way before she knew it. I knew that I was in love with her. And she, well, I was too short for her at the time. <laughs> I've not really grown in height, so I don't know what changed. Something changed in her, in her heart. But I knew before she did that we were going to be together. And that was the one and only time that I've known something before her. That's not the way things are now. So that was, the second, <laughs> that was the second positive decision that I made in my life. And the third was connecting to a church. You see, when Ruth and I were dating, I was at uni and, and, and I was kind of dipping in and out of church. I wasn't really connected. There was a group that I went to every now and then on a Sunday evening, but I wasn't properly connected to church at that time in my life. And as we started to draw together in our relationship, in fact, it was Ruth first, 
She was leading that example again from the very beginning to get connected into church and to show us that actually this was important for our relationship. It was important for our future. So she got connected and then brought me along to a church in in Blackpool called Blackpool Christian Fellowship. It's no longer around anymore. And we were planted in that church family. We were planted in that house of God and we began to grow and flourish together and as leaders and and as a man and woman of God because we were planted in that house, because we were surrounded by men and women of God, because we were looking at other people who were living out an example of how we should do life. And like I said, unfortunately, that church kind of dwindled down and and closed through no real fault of its own. And, And so we found ourselves without a church home. And if any of you have ever been in that situation, it's, it's quite uncomfortable when you've been planted in a house for so long and you feel at home there and you feel comfortable and you feel satisfied and well-fed and then you're taken out of that home for whatever reason. And so we did what we call church shopping. We went church shopping and let me tell you, slim pickings is how we would describe it. And that's not to say that it's the same for everyone, but that's just for us. Because when you're looking for a church family, you've got to find somewhere where you fit. You've got to find somewhere where you feel at home. And we walked into some churches in the area, and we knew within a split second that we were not going to come here again. In fact, I remember in one specific incident, inc- uh, instance, we walked into this church and we sat down and we knew from the very outset that we were not going to belong here. We were not going to fit in. And it was like, can we get out? Can we leave before the service starts? Because we, could, we still had time maybe to get to another church and, and find somewhere because we were desperate to belong. We were desperate for home. But they were, bless them, they were very welcoming. They came and introduced themselves, said hello, and that was it. We had to stay because we'd been said hello to. So we stayed and we sung literally sang bind us together lord um holding hands um so we never went back there again but for some people that church feels like home it just wasn't for us and i hope that that this this church for you if you're here feels like home but for some people they'll walk through the doors and they won't feel that connection and that's okay because we're not for everyone but you've just got to find somewhere that you fit you've got to find somewhere that you belong and where you can connect, and where you can get planted. And so we found ourselves here, and we connected in, and we we planted ourselves firmly within this church, and we began again to grow and flourish together. And it's so important. You see, life is different when you get connected. If you're out there, and you're on your own, and it's okay to say, well, all I need is God, just me and God. And you can definitely do life just you and God because he provides everything we need, doesn't he? He can give us everything that we need to, to survive and to grow and to, to, to sustain ourselves. But, but actually, Jesus exampled how we should do life. And that was to connect into a group, into family, into other believers. We are not meant to be alone, just me and God doing our own thing. We're meant to be part of something bigger. We're meant to be part of the house of God. The AOG conference title last year was Better Together. In fact, I think that might have been a political title as well. Anyway, we won't go there. But it's true, we are better together when we're united, when we're one body, as Paul describes it, when we're working together for a common goal. That's how we thrive. It's how we grow. 
And actually, when you're planted in the house of God, there's benefits and blessings that come from that. There's that phrase, isn't it, that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And, and actually, you and God on your own, you can be incredible. But when you're connected into the house of God, you become so much more. You become so much more. In fact, being planted in Hope Church, being planted in this local church, it means that you, as an individual, are able to reach the young people in this community. It means that you are able to help support people who are going through addictions. It means that you, as a group of people, are able to provide space for mums, dads, and grandparents to connect. It means that you, as a group of people, are able to connect and combat loneliness in this community. It means that you are able to be the arms and the hands and the feet of God going to places like Asia and Africa because you're planted in this house. You may not be the one going to Asia. You may not be the one who's here on a Thursday serving tea and coffee and communicating with their parents who bring their toddlers. But being planted in this house, you are part of something that is doing that. So you can say, I am doing that. You see, when you're connected into something, you become so much more than when it's just you on your own. Could we do all of that stuff if it was just me and God? No way. There is no way that we could do all of that and more if it was just me and God. We could do some things. We could make a small difference. But if it's me and God connected into his house, we become so much stronger. We become so much bigger. We, some, we have so much more influence and impact on our community. You see, the church, us as a collection of Christians, are vital to combating social issues in our nation and in our world. Did you know the value of Christian volunteers in Britain alone is over 350 million pounds? That means that if the Christians of this nation stopped volunteering, stopped doing the community outreach work that they're doing, there would be this huge gap in Britain. There would be a massive lack of the homeless being fed. There would be a massive lack of people being helped and people being supported because we, as the body of Christ, are having a huge impact on our nation. So this morning, if you call yourself a Christian, you are having a ginormous impact on our nation because you're planted in something. And I believe, and I've shared it before, that we as a local church are meant to be a kind of smaller version of what I've just described. And that actually we're meant to be, and we're called to be, as Hope Church Lytham, needed by our community. So that means that if you're planted in this house, you can be part of something with a vision to have such an impact on its community that if we were to be ripped up or removed or disappear in a day, there would be a gap. There would be something missing. The community would be lacking in the support that it has because this church, this local house of God, isn't doing what God's called it to do. So we need to get planted. We need to get planted in the house. And so I said that when you're planted in God's house, it comes with some benefits. Let me just give you three quick benefits that come from being planted in the house of God. And the first is it gives you a place to belong. 
when you're planted in the house, it gives you a place to belong. Like when Ruth and I were, were taken out of that church, the church closed and we found ourselves without a home, it meant that we had nowhere to belong and we were kind of wandering, uh, kind of lonely for, for a period until we found ourselves planted in a new house of God so that we could be connected, so that we could belong to something. And I think that, you know, as a society, we have this longing within our hearts to belong to something, to be accepted, to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves. So when you plant yourself in the house of God, you get a place to belong. You know, I'm grateful that I hear reports from, from people who visit our church that say that when they come through the doors, they feel welcomed and they feel like this is home. And that's great to hear because that's what we're striving for. That's what we're aiming for, to feel like this is home, to feel like you belong when you walk through these doors. And so it's great to plant yourself in something because you have a place where you can belong. And the second is it helps to build your beliefs. When you're planted in the house of God, it helps to build your beliefs. You see, you and God on your own, outside of any other connectivity, you can, you can study the Bible and you can learn as much as you can learn and you've got resources like the internet and all that kind of stuff where you can, you can grow. But actually when you're part of the house of God, when you're surrounded by other Christians, some who have gone further than you, some who are behind you. Together, you can grow through shared experiences, through sharing concerns and hearing how others have, have worked through that, through hearing testimonies of God's goodness. You see, when we're surrounded by other people who are doing life together and sharing experiences and, and sharing their testimonies, then we can build our beliefs so we begin to maybe even challenge some of the things that we've thought in the past because oh, okay, I've never actually heard that opinion before. Maybe I need to consider that and, and prayerfully study that some more and, and maybe I need to change my beliefs slightly. I don't think any of us, when we first become a Christian, just get it like that. You know, I don't know, maybe you want to remember back to when you very first became a Christian. Did you know it all? Did you understand all of the kind of complicated language that's in the Bible? But I think we arrive as Christians with a certain, you know, comprehension of, of what it means to be a Christian, of what it means to be a follower of Christ. But as we learn and as we grow together as part of a body of Christ, our beliefs begin to, begin to grow too. They begin to uh, be built up so that they can become stronger as we see how other people do life, as we hear what other people speak truth out of the Bible. So when you're planted in the house of God, it builds your belief. Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. That means that when Christians come together, they can share beliefs and challenge one another and help you to grow. It's about being part of something. And then thirdly, being planted in the house of God, it can help you to become all that God wants you to be. It can help you to become all that God wants you to be because everyone in here has a purpose. God has put you here for a purpose. God has placed you on this earth with a job to do. And so I think that when we become part of a, a house of God, when we become part of the family of God, it can help to, to grow our understanding and it can help to, to stretch us and it can help us to, to see what other people are doing and, oh, maybe that's something I should be doing because, you know, I don't know, like I said, when it comes to, to growing your beliefs because you might arrive thinking, oh, I'm supposed to do this and then, 
oh, we're talking about tithing. Okay, so I should be tithing. Oh, I need to be loving everyone, not just Christians. Okay, so I can grow in that way. And we start to change and we start to grow and we start to be stretched in that sense because we're surrounded by other Christians, other people who are on that journey, other people who are moving towards that common goal of becoming more and more like Christ. And as we do that, we become more and more like the men and women that God has called us to be. You see, that's what it means to belong to God's family, to be planted in his house. You know, when you're struggling, when you're going through times of difficulty or hardship, if you're planted in God's house, of course we'll carry you. Of course we'll carry you through those times. We'll pray with you. We'll support you. We'll We'll come around you. We'll be there for you in whatever, whatever sense you need. But we'll do that, not so that we can keep carrying you all the way to the end, but to get you back to full strength again, to stand you firmly on your feet so that you can be released once again to become the man and woman that God has called you to be because we're supposed to stretch. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to change and be challenged. And I just want to throw out a quick encouragement that's, from that Psalm 92, perhaps to some of you are further on the journey than, than some of us. In Psalm 92, it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of God. They will flourish in the courts of God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will still bear fruit in old age. There is no time limit on this. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. You don't just get to 40 or 50 or, or whatever and be like, okay, I'm done. No, it says they will still bear fruit in their old age. So even when you're 100, you can be bearing fruit in Jesus' name. It says so in scripture. Don't at any point think, I'm done. My mom's 75. She doesn't look a day over 50. But she's going off to Asia She's not done. <laughs> Absolutely. She's not done. They will still bear fruit in old age. Never think that you're past it. Never think that you're, you're done on your journey. Never think you're too old to, to learn more. I think that's something important to hear. Never think you're too old to learn. Never think that you're too old to do more, to love more, to share more. Do you know what? We need the older generation to be living life to the full for God so that we can show the young people how it's done. Because there's a generation coming up that are filled with entitlement and they're filled with just this idea around social media and, and needing to be liked by, by their followers and their fans. But we need to show them that there's another way. We need to show them that their ident identity is not found in social media likes, but their identity is found in God. And that's going to take an older generation to example that to them. You know, where you started with God is not where you're supposed to be seven years from now. Where you started with God is not where you're supposed to be seven years from now. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to change. We're supposed to be challenged and stretched. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, never stop growing. Never stop growing. You see, our God isn't looking for people of perfection. He's looking for people 
of progression. We're supposed to be moving forward. We're not supposed to come into church on a Sunday and leave looking the same. We're supposed to come into church on a Sunday and leave looking a little bit more like Jesus. And that's not on me. It's not on the worship team. It's on your work with the Holy Spirit. You need to enter into this building. You need to enter into this house of God with an expectation that you're going to meet with him. With an expectation that he's going to challenge you. That he's going to inspire you. You don't sit there and say, oh, this song's not for me, I don't like it, or the music's too loud, or the music's too quiet, or there's no actual drums, or whatever it is. You've just got to enter into worship because you're here to meet with God. And when the speaker's on the stage, and maybe you don't like him because he's too short, or you don't like her because she's too fat, or you don't, whatever it is, you don't think about those things because it's about God speaking through whoever's on the platform. It's not about me. These words aren't my words. This is what God's put in my heart to share with you, specifically this group of people this morning. So it's about how you can connect with God. It's all about your attitude when you enter into worship. It's about your attitude and your spirit and your heart when you meet with God. He wants to progress us. He wants to grow us. He wants to challenge us and inspire us to become more and more like him. So that we can then step out of this place and begin to do the things that he's called us to do. Because he said that we should be his hands and his feet. We should be his mouth. We should be his heart loving on everyone that we come into contact with. We're called to be the expression of Jesus in our community. That's the calling that's on our lives. So I just want to spend the, the short time that we've got left just looking at one more psalm, and it's Psalm 1. And I think this is a picture of what God's looking for in us. This is almost a picture of, of spiritual maturity and what that should look like. And it says in Psalm 1, verse 3, they are like trees planted along the riverbank. You see, the interesting thing here is that the trees are planted next to a river. And that means that they don't need to rely on rain to get the source and the sustenance that they need. They don't need to wait for the seasons to come because they are connected to living water. Their roots are connected direct into a source of everything that they need to grow because they're planted along the riverbank. And what God's showing us here is that when we're planted in him, when we're planted in him, he will provide everything that we need. We don't need to wait for the rain to come. We don't need to wait for an experience from God. We don't need to wait for someone to speak blessings over our lives because our roots are in him and we, we can draw from that everything that we need to fulfill the calling that's been placed on our lives. Church, we need to be planted in him. We need to be planted in him, but we need to be planted in community, and we need to be planted in prayer, and we need to be planted in the word, like Grayson was sharing last week. We need to be planted. And the verse running up to this just talks about people who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. We need to be in the word of God. We need to be planted in this book because it's full of truth. It's full of guidance. It's full of everything that we need to answer all the questions that we may have about life. It's all 
in the word of God that he gave to us. You know, isn't it perfect that we're doing a life group all about the Bible, not just one bit, but the whole thing, just to give us that big picture, just to give us the the vision of everything that we need, that we're called to as Christians. All of the mysteries, all of the puzzle pieces, all of the truth is held within that book. It's all there. It's all there. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Well, that's interesting too, isn't it? Because trees don't bear fruit in every season. Trees don't bear fruit in every season. And yet this says that when you're planted along the riverbank, you will bear fruit in every season. God wants us to produce fruit in every season. Not just to be seasonal and that every summer we'll pop out and do something good or or I don't know, every Christmas time we'll start to maybe just give a little and then we'll go back into our holes and, and wait there and I don't know, accumulate stuff so that next Christmas we can pop out again and do our good deed. He calls us to bear fruit in every season. Autumn, fruit. Winter, fruit. Spring, fruit. Summer, fruit. Financial struggles, fruit. Health issues, fruit. Can't cope with life anymore, fruit. He's calling us to bear fruit in every season of our lives, no matter what it is that you're facing, no matter what it is that you're going through. Sure, gather people around you to pray for you and encourage you and support you, but don't stop bearing fruit every season of our lives because we don't serve a God who's restricted by seasons. We serve a God who is eternal. We serve a God who expects us to produce fruit in every season. But that's only going to happen when we're planted next to the riverbank. When we've got a direct source of living water, of everything that we need from him. It's only going to happen when we're connected to God. And then look at this next part. They'll they'll bear fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither. You see, we're in autumn now and the, the leaves are starting to change and they're They'll be dropping off onto the floor and making a right mess soon enough. But the reason that that happens is because the bark of the tree knows what season it is. And so it's preparing everything that it needs. So it starts to withhold the resources. So the bark takes in from the roots. It takes in all of the nutrients that it needs to survive. And instead of sharing it with the rest of the tree, it keeps hold of it for itself so that it can survive through the winter months and into spring, where it again begins to share the goodness that it's receiving. It keeps it in. It holds it for itself. And what God's saying here is that when we're planted in him, when we're connected to his family, to his resource, to his word, we never have to hold anything back. We never have to hold anything back. You see, that supply from God will give you everything that you need. He'll give you everything that you need so that you can keep on giving, so that you can keep on serving, so that you can keep on forgiving, so that you can keep on loving because your supply isn't going to run out. It's not going to run out. You're not going to need to hold anything back for yourself because God's just going to keep pouring into your life. You know, There's never going to be a season in our lives when God's blessing and God's goodness and God's provision becomes into like a trickle. 
And so we need to just take that little trickle for ourselves and hold on to it because it's almost running out and I need to make sure that I've got what I need. His provision isn't a trickle, it's a flood. He's just pouring out his blessings, his provision, his love, everything that you need. He floods it into our lives so we can never run out. We never need to hold it in for ourselves. We can just keep on giving, keep on giving, keep on giving. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. I think some of us, maybe we're, we're receiving from God and we're, you know, we're in that place, oh God, I just want to receive from you this morning. And, you know, we, you can feel his presence and you're like, okay, yeah, that's one for me. And then I'll share that one. And then that's one for me. And then I'll share that one. And maybe I'll keep a couple for myself because I'm a bit poor this, this month. And, and there's one more for you. And, and I'm feeling a bit down myself. So I'll hold that love in for myself. And I'll just give them a little, a little nod. We can't outgive God. So don't hold it in for yourself. Just let it out. You know, the faster you give it away, the faster God will pour into you. So give it away as fast as you can. Bless as many people as you can. Love on as many people as you can. Because God will keep on pouring back into your lives. Our, our leaves will never wither. And then finally it goes on to say, and they prosper in all they do. You see, I think sometimes we're holding on to stuff that God gives us because, well, I'm, I can need that myself. I need it. God's given it to me because... He knows that I need it. Yeah, he knows that you need it, but he knows that your neighbor needs it too. So maybe he's giving it to you to give to them, and then he'll give you some more. I can't, someone shared with me, was it Peter? Did you share something with me the other day? You gave some money to someone, and then like the next day you got given the same amount. You see, when, when you get blessed with something and you give it away, God will bless you. God will bless us. We don't need to worry about ourselves in that sense. We don't need to hold on to God's goodness, to God's love, to, to God's grace. Just give it away. Just give it away. And he will bless you. He will prosper you in all you do. Don't be concerned about your needs, about your luck, about you, you, you. God's got it covered. God's got it covered. Is that good? We've got to be planted in his house. We've got to gather people around us. We've got to have that family. We've got to have that place where we belong because when we're in that family environment, when we're planted in the house of God, we can grow. We can stretch. We can be challenged. We can be supported when we need it. We've got to be planted in God. We've got to be planted in his word. We've got to be planted in prayer. Because out of those things, we'll get this continual stream of living water. We want to be, don't we? We want to be like, like trees that are planted next to living water. We want to be like trees planted next to living water that will bear fruit in every season, that the leaves will never wither and that will prosper in all we do. That's what we want to be as Christians, isn't it? That's our, our goal. That's our vision. That's our aim but you're not going to start out as a tree. We're not going to start out as a tree. And I think that's sometimes where disappointment can creep in, isn't it? 
because we kind of expect to be right there. We, we expect to be this, this tree that's blossoming and is bearing all this fruit, but we can't get to, from A to Z without going on the journey. And we need to go on that journey with other people. We need to be going on that journey connected into the house of God, and it's a journey of growth, and it's a journey of, of, of challenge that will lead us to be more and more like God. But journeys take time. Journeys take effort. Journeys take us doing something ourselves to step out of our comfort zone, to begin to take those steps of faith, to begin to walk towards what God's called us. And it starts by being planted. It starts by being planted. 